Well, good morning, everybody. All right, that wasn't too bad. Let's try that a little bit more. Good morning, everyone. Hey, there we go. There we go. There we go. Shout out to all of you joining us online. Hello to all of you as well. If you got your Bible, go and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 7 today. Go ahead and place your finger there as we will be back to that spot in just a few minutes. Hopefully you grabbed a bulletin on your way in today. All right, there's an outline in there for you to follow along with. You could also scan that QR code right in front of you and follow along with me digitally, all right? We are continuing today in our sermon series called Frequently Asked Questions. But before I get into that, I just want to say if you missed last week, you missed a wonderful, wonderful missions Focus of the day, we had Nate from the IMV here. He did a wonderful job talking to us about what God is doing around the world. He ministered to us in a lunch after church, and then he spoke with our high school and junior high kids last Sunday night. We had a wonderful day kind of focusing on foreign missions last week, and it kind of sets the tone and gets us ready for November. When we come into November, we're going to have our month of missions. We're going to be thinking about missions not only around the world, but also here in North America and right here in our own Sacramento area. So be praying for month of missions when November comes around, all right? But today we're coming back to Frequently Asked Questions, and today is going to be kind of part one of two for today and next week, because it's going to take two weeks for us to answer this question, how do I change my thoughts? Now, we're not talking about how to change your thoughts on whether you should root for the Dodgers as opposed to the San Francisco Giants, all right? Now, as much as I would love for you Giants fans to become Dodger fans and see the light, okay, and root for my team because, you know, Jesus is royal and Dodgers have royal blues. There's a connection there, okay? And in fact, you Giants fans, some of you would rather eat glue than do that. So I totally get that, all right? But I'm not talking about that kind of change today. No, 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 no. In fact, we're going after something much more personal. Today's question comes from many of you because back in March, we did a series called What Are You Thinking? And uh, many of you were asking for some additional help in how do I get myself to think in a more God-honoring way? So it's this idea of, hey, in light of my past, in light of the pain that I have experienced, how can I see my own life the same way that Jesus sees me? So let's dive into the deep end today. Are you ready? Let's do it. Are you ready, church? All right. Well, some of you are. All right. Well, okay. So let's just get our minds kind of thinking about this. Have you ever had a time in your life when maybe you went to work with somebody or maybe it was a coworker or maybe it was a family member or, or a neighbor or whatever, and you heard something about that person before you ever had a chance to engage with them? The information could have been good. The information could have not been so good. Maybe it was true. Maybe it wasn't true. But nonetheless, you received some information, and it caused you to have some hesitation to want to get in there and get involved with that person. Now, when this happens in life, there's basically two sides or two possibilities. The first one is this, right? You get in there, you meet them, and you begin working with them, and and you realize that things are going okay. Hey, things aren't as bad as I was told, And for whatever reason, you're getting along, and there's no real issues. And then there's the other option. You get in there, you begin to work with somebody, and kaboom, personalities clash. 
Because to you, that person is a total meathead. But in either case, if you would not have gotten in there and gotten involved with them and worked with them, you would have been left with only the information about them and the thoughts and the experiences of somebody else. You would never have known who that person truly is. Have you ever had that kind of experience? Yes or no? Okay, only a few of you. Okay, I get it. All right. So here's my thought on this. What if, what if you're the person that's complicated? Now grab a hold of this. What if you're the person that's thinking that about yourself? In light of your past, for whatever reason, you seem to have some difficulty in relationships today. And so as we begin to think about today, and as we begin to think about certain things about ourselves, a lot of times it's negative. And then it causes us to feel certain ways about ourselves. And then it comes out ultimately in our behavior. Because what if you think that, that you're a blank, I mean, whatever it is, right? And you just keep living life with these negative ideas. Eventually what happens is you believe them about yourself. And it comes out in your life. Are these thoughts going to impact your life? Absolutely they will. Because you're going to make decisions based on that belief about yourself. And you're going to interact in relationships based upon that belief about yourself. Because maybe in your life you're thinking, I'm this. Like, I'm complicated. I'm a loser. I'm a doormat. I'm never going to you know, succeed. I'm a blank. Whatever it is. This makes you feel like you're a terrible person. And somehow you believe this about yourself to be true. Now, there are some super spiritual people out there. And what they do is they will often attribute these thoughts in our minds to the enemy. They'll say, hey, that's Satan working in my life. Could it be the attack of the enemy? Yes, it could be. It is possible. Is it always Satan's attack? The answer is no. In fact, most of the time, it's probably not. And why is that? Because as we're going to see in a few minutes, most of our struggle comes from within us. In fact, some of the most hurtful things that you've ever said, you said to yourself. Some of the most hurtful conversations that you've ever had have been within your own mind. And what's more difficult is after you had that conversation with yourself, you believed what you told yourself to be true. So not only do, do we struggle with thoughts about other people when we hear from other people about information, but we struggle with the self-destructive thoughts about ourselves. And here in Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is sharing his own struggles about his own life, the war that is going on inside of him. And God uses him to reveal to us What's happening inside of us when we think all these negative thoughts about ourselves? So in your outline, if you're with me, Romans 7, let's start at verse 15 today. 
Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do it. But what I hate, mm-hmm, that's what I do. Can anybody relate to the Apostle Paul today? Okay. So here's Paul. He has this struggle. He wants to do good. He wants to honor God. He wants to live a holy and pleasing life. And he's struggling. He's not doing it. He doesn't want to sin. He doesn't want to give in to the flesh. And what's he doing? He's giving into it. And it's bothering him. And then down in verse 21, he says this. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Because his old nature congregation is right there with him. Just like you, just like me. And in verse 22, he goes on and says, For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. And, what does it say? Making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So here's the deal today. As a believer in Christ, we have two natures going on simultaneously, coexisting at the same time. So if you're new to church, if today's the first time you've ever heard that, this is probably the first time you've ever heard this reality. Believers in Jesus have two natures, not one. Okay? So the first nature we have going on is the old nature. Now we call this the flesh. This is the the only nature that we had prior to becoming a Christ follower. Before we gave our life to Christ and repented of our sin. That was the only nature we had. That is the only nature that non-believers have. Then, after we give our life to Christ, the second nature comes in and we receive this new nature. And in biblical terms, we call it being born again. And this just simply means being born of the Spirit of God. This is where the Holy Spirit of God now dwells within the life of a believer. And so these two natures in the life of a believer are now in constant conflict with each other, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, sometimes 66 days a year. Are y'all with me now? And so here's Paul, and he's saying that everywhere he goes, there's this tension that he feels, and it's between both of these natures. And in verse 23, we see exactly where the battle is. It is in his mind. And so just take a step back with me now. It may not be Satan flooding our minds with all of these negative thoughts that we have. It may just be our old nature at work within us. And it probably is. So I ask you, congregation, what nature are you listening to? Are you listening to your old nature and believing what it says? Or are you listening to your new nature and believing what God says about you and to you in his word? Because the reality is most of us, We live over here. 
We struggle over here. We gravitate to this old nature and we listen to it and, and we even want to believe what it says. Even when we don't like it. We, we just are over here all the time. And we believe it. And it drives us up the wall and we end up like the Apostle Paul. And the things that we think, they make sense to us. After all, our thoughts make sense to us. Now, they may not make sense to other people, but they make sense to us. And in our mind, we are struggling. So this issue here, we have to just identify that it is deep within side of us. So in your outline, I put a few self-destructive thoughts that many of us are dealing with in life. Okay, so number one, the first one is shame. Some of us are going through life with all these regrets about our past. The decisions that we've made feel like they're haunting us all the time and they're condemning our spirit and it's just kind of driving us into this place of despair. And some of us are living in a cistern of shame. And if this is you, tenderly I just say to you that you have not quite yet made the connection as to why Jesus died for you. You haven't made the connection as to why he came. That's where you're at. Truth is, congregation, you can be a believer in Jesus Christ and still miss this reality. Number two, thoughts about yourself. All right? We all know the stupid and sinful choices of our past, and it caused us to be hard on ourselves. Some of the worst conversation that we've ever had have been with ourselves, right? And it's often said we are our own worst critics. Have you ever said that about yourself? Number three, inner desires, right? These are those lustful thoughts that we have, those impulses that seem so uncontrollable, and and they just kind of call to us. You know, it's the peanut butter cup ice cream in the freezer. And if you know me, that's my thing, right? But all of this... It's these things that we just, we should stop and say no to, but for some reason we can't because they're calling us. That's all part of the old nature. And when we give into it, it puts us in a bad spot. Number four, hopelessness. Some of us sometimes feel like we have just this enormous amount of hopelessness going on in life whether it be financial or relational or physical appearance. I mean, just whatever it is going on, this, this, we have this sense of hopelessness and it just drives us into a bad spot where we just want to give up. It's that time when you say, man, I can't do anything about that, so I just quit. Hopelessness rooted in the old nature. Number five is bitterness. And, and here's the reality here. We just live amongst broken people. And newsflash for some of us, right, right? We are all broken people. All of us sin, all of us fall short of God's standard. And and I'm just going to go on a limb and say we've probably all been hurt by someone else. Some of us were hurt intentionally. Some of us were hurt unintentionally. And don't forget that you yourself, you have hurt other people too. So we're all just living in this broken world and bitterness can destroy relationships and ultimately it can destroy you. The last one, number six, insecurity. Now, for example here, insecurity in relationships, whether it be in a marriage or an extended relationship or sibling or whatever it might be, because we're all broken, we will say stupid things to the other person. 
Think about what you said to somebody you love recently. That, you know, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Or we will do stupid things. Think about something you've done recently that would have hurt somebody else. Yeah, that. Okay? And because we're feeling this insecurity about ourselves, it puts us in a dark spot. So, yeah, insecurity, it's no good. It's no bueno. All right? So we're going through life, we're feeling these struggles of shame and destructive thoughts and and inner desires and hopelessness and bitterness and insecurity and all these types of things. And then we have these feelings of just defeat and self-destruction thoughts come into play and all this stuff's taking place. And the reason is because we are listening to this old nature over here and not listening to the new nature over here. Are you with me, congregation? Okay, so here's the Apostle Paul, and he tells us now in chapter 7, verse 24, look at it with me. He says, what a wretched man I am, and wretched means miserable. Have you ever been that way mentally, miserable, where you feel like you're just, right, miserable? Well, that's where the Apostle Paul's at right here as he's writing this. And then he says this, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Notice something here. Who, not what. Now get this real quick. When we're living in the old nature over here and we're dealing with the things of the self-destructive life and these thoughts that we've just went through, that list of six, and there's many more by that, we're not looking for a who. We're looking for a what. That's why so often in life, you know, none of you obviously, but people out there, right, they turn to a what when they're in pain, right? They say, what can mask my pain? What can suppress it? What can drown it out? And Paul comes in with, man, I'm feeling so miserable. But I'm not looking for a what. I'm looking for a who. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And in verse 25 he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I say to myself, right here, in my mind, I am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. There's his two-nature speech right there. And he's identifying them, that they are both at work within him and in conflict at the same time. And notice in this text that we've read, where this conflict is taking place. Right here, you see, on the screen behind me, in my mind. Not externally from the enemy, it's in my mind. So if you ever want to test whether or not, if you're listening to your old nature over here, I put it in your outline, it's real simple. It's kind of a dead giveaway for you as you're not here with me. If you have some good attentions and you start to act it out in your willpower and then you fail, then you feel guilt and you feel shame and the cycle repeats itself. And then Tuesday rolls around and we do it all over again. And then Wednesday and then Thursday. You guys know how this goes. 
Congregation, we will never have the victories that God wants us to have if we keep listening to the old nature. If you want the victory that God wants for you, you must change the way that you think. You must begin listening to the new nature over here. You have to develop some new habits in order to do that. So let's begin to walk through how we can get there. It's a journey. It's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to discipline yourself. Otherwise, it's not going to work. All right? Romans chapter 8. Let's go there. So in your outline, habits that change my thoughts. The first one is this. I must think on what Jesus did for me. See, this is the counter to all the shame and the regret and the guilt that you probably feel going on inside of you. It's the, it's the shame that so many people live with each and every day. Now, like, like I said, you may be a believer in Christ. You may understand the Christmas story, the Easter story, the cross, and everything in between. But you're not thinking on what Jesus has done for you. Why? Because you're experiencing the effects of the old nature. And why is that? Because you are letting the old nature run the show. So we have to change how we think. We need to let the new nature run the show. And you have to focus in on what Jesus has done for you. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul did. Look at me with chapter 8 verse 1. Here's Paul. He says, therefore... And by the way, anytime you see in Scripture the words therefore, you need to ask the question, what is it therefore? Okay. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Not everybody, believers. And here is why, verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, notice that it doesn't say that you will stop sinning. Because you're still going to sin. So am I. And when you sin, Jesus isn't going to be startled. It's not like he's like, oh, yikes, man, you got me. I had no idea that you were going to do that. Folks, the Lord knows that you are a sinner. And me too. And I stand up here chief of sinners. He knows that I have this old nature going on. But I also need to recognize that my past, my present, and my future sins as a believer are all forgiven because of what Christ has done on the cross. Okay? Scripture says right here that he has set me free from the law of sin and death. And if you know Christ, that is true for you as well. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when he convicts me of our sin, what we need to do is we need to turn from it. That's healthy. I don't have to stay at that place anymore. The past is gone. The Lord separates me from my sin as far as the east is from the west. Actually, that's east, that's west. Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Congregation, get your minds around that. Now look at verse three with me. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Somebody say hallelujah. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Yes, that's a praise to the Lord right there. Because right here he's talking about believers, not unbelievers. Who, according to the scripture here says, do not live according to, to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so this is a really cool thing to think about here. It's a principle that we find in scripture. It's in your outline here. Christ's righteousness is imputed to us so that our shame is removed by Jesus. So if you're struggling with shame, if Christ lives within you, it's gone, baby. Woo! Yeah! That's good stuff right there. It's removed. We don't have to continue to live here in this box anymore. We don't have to live in the old nature. Now, Let's have some fun for a second. Let's say I were to go out and get a new pet. Specifically, I want to go out and get a new pig. All right? And, and if I asked you to come down here to the church and to help me give this new pig a bath, just like we give our dogs a bath, right? And, and so we go get it. We hook up the hose. We get it all wet and put all the shampoo on it and get it all clean and put the baby powder on it. And, hey, maybe we even put some of that new lotion on it, make it smell all good, and maybe even one of those nice little bow ties between the ears, right? Let's say we do all that, and then come Sunday, we prance that pig right up out here on the stage for all y'all to see. Most of you are going to look at that pig and go, We know somebody's hungry. Okay. No, most of you probably go, oh, how cute. But Jack and I are thinking bacon. Okay. Well, here's the thing about this pig. This pig has a nature. And as soon as you let go of that pig and let it off the leash, guess what that pig is going to do? I know it's going to run backstage, back here to the bathroom, and go powder its nose. Right? Isn't that what it's going to do? No. That pig's going to find a freeway to the nearest mud hole. And it's going to roll in it, and it's going to be so happy. Why? Because that pig has a nature. Listen, we can put lipstick on a pig. We can clean it all up. We could put baby powder on it. We could even put Pantene Pro-V shampoo on it and even put the best perfume that Macy's sells on that pig. But at the end of the day, it's still a You cannot fix a pig on the outside. Same is true for us. You cannot fix yourself from the outside in. That's you looking for a what to save you and to take away your pain. Your old nature over here, your old nature wants a what? It wants a what? Your new nature needs a who, and it is driven by a who. You can only be fixed by a who, Jesus. And Jesus works from the inside out. So think about who he is and what he's done for you. 
That's step one. Number two in your outline, the next step, is I must ask the Holy Spirit to change my thoughts. And this is to kind of counter those wayward thoughts about yourself that you have. Right? And for many of you, this, exact, this is exactly what you were asking about. So let's look at chapter 8, starting in verse 5 now. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So I pause right here. What do you have your mind set on? And if you say, I'm not really sure, Pastor Wayne, my response to you is, well, what are you thinking about? Because if what you're thinking about is contrary to what God says, guess where your mind is? In the old nature. That's not a place you want to be, beloved. Because whatever has your mind has you. And if you want the things of God over here, and if you want the things of the new nature to be the normal default position in your life, you have to actively and regularly practice doing just that. You need to think on the things of God. So look what Paul says in verse 6. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So again, I ask you, what is your mind on? Verse 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it. Folks, sinful people in the world are not going to keep laws. That's why they have to keep making more and more laws. That's the only tool they have. God's word tells us that People are not going to submit to law. And that's why the only way that we can change a culture is with Jesus. Not more laws. Just saying that's for free. Look at verse 8. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot, 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 cannot please God. So how do we overcome those wayward thoughts? We need the Holy Spirit's help. Now, it's not in your outline, but you can write it down if you want to. It's called the principle of replacement. Now, for example, let me be totally transparent with you here, because I know none of you have probably ever had this experience in your life. There have been times where I've been praying for a person that maybe I'm, I'm struggling with because of some kind of conflict that's going on. And it's like, Lord, bless them, Lord, protect them, watch over them, and then all of a sudden the old nature kicks in. And, and it's like my prayer shifts in one nanosecond and it moves to number 1633 where I say, and Lord, open up the earth and swallow them and all of their possessions as well. Right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, 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 sorry, God. I mean, Lord, protect them. Bless them, right? Am I the only person who struggles with that? Uh, so it's just me? No, it's you too? Okay. But here's what's interesting. We start off with good intentions, and then we just kind of veer off right into the ditch. And we have that moment in this old nature part of us, and truth be told, it feels good. Doesn't it? It's like you just want to give that person an elbow drop, right? And then the Holy Spirit kind of jabs us and brings us back in the center and we get, we get right. So here's the deal, friends. 
we have to intentionally replace the wayward thoughts with the thoughts of the Spirit. The principle of replacement. We must think on the things that are godly and the things that contain the love of Christ in our hearts and the love that comes from him in us, working in us, and give it outwards. Because whatever has your mind has you. Does that sound simple? Yes, really simple. Is it easy to do? Mm-mm. Nope. But is it possible? Yes. But you need the Holy Spirit's power living in you, working in you to change what you're thinking upon. You got that? Number three in your outline, the third step. Is I must realize that I have a new power to say no. I must realize that I have a new power to say no. Galatians chapter 5. In your outline, you see Galatians 5.16. So I say, the apostle Paul says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Hmm, that's a powerful little verse there. As a believer, yes, you will still have the same temptations, the same urges, the same compulsions from your old nature. But God has given you this new nature over here with a new power to say no to all of these things over here. And it's so incredibly important that you as a believer fuel this reality with his word. King David said it like this in the Psalms. Your word I have hid in my heart so I won't, what? Sin against God. And then several, you know, years later, maybe like 1,500 years later or so, Jesus comes along and he says it like this. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Congregation, you cannot live in the spirit, as Paul says here, so that you don't gratify your sinful nature unless you have an influx of God's word coming into your life. As much as you possibly can. Got to have it. Otherwise, you're just swimming upstream. Back to Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 9 now. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if you're a believer, that's you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to God. They don't belong to him. So if you're a believer, hear me, congregation. You have, at this moment in time, all of the Holy Spirit in your life. Every bit of it. He lives in you. Now look at what verse 10 says. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who's living in you. So there it is again. Now look at verse 12. Therefore, and whenever we see a therefore, then we ask the question, what is it? Therefore, good, all right. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it's not to the flesh. To live according to it. Our obligation isn't to the flesh. It's to live by the spirit. 
who is living in the life of every believer. And to do that, we need to submit to the Lord. Folks, we need to submit to the Lord. We need to submit to the Lord, not to the old nature. We need to surrender our will to the will of the Lord. Remember the old hymn says, all to Jesus I surrender. And by doing so, Scripture says, if you look at verse 13, that you will put to death the misdeeds of the body. So you may be sitting here saying, Pastor Wayne, man, this sounds really good, but brother, I don't know a lot about the Bible. That's okay, I say to you. Practice what you do know. Be obedient to the little bit you do know. It's okay. Learn a little bit more. Keep learning. And if you're a believer, listen, God's going to illuminate Scripture. He's going to teach you to be more like his son. Listen, when you start following Jesus, hear me, congregation, it's a beautiful thing. Okay? The more we allow God to speak into our hearts, to speak into our minds through his word, oh, wow, the more we're going to be able to say no to all this malarkey over here, all the things that we don't want to do. There's a saying I learned years ago that whatever you feed thrives and whatever you starve dies. So starve that old stinking nature. Starve it. And you see in your outline, the principle of the inner struggles is this. Behind every self-defeating thought is a lie that I believe. So you're here today. You got some self-defeating thoughts. Behind every one of them is a lie that you have believed. And these lies come to us from this old nature. Working and conflict with the new nature. The old nature is the, I could never stop doing Fill in the blank. Or, you want me to do what? I can never do that. Whatever it is. Or, I can't overcome this thing. Lies. Lies, I tell you. They're not true. Congregation, God has given you the power to overcome those. Because the Holy Spirit's living in you. So I ask you, what nature are you listening to? And if you're a believer, how much control of your life are you now giving the Holy Spirit? Are you holding back? Because if you are, you're still listening to the old nature over here. Ultimately, you'll find yourself being miserable. You're going to find yourself saying destructive things because you're having destructive thoughts. So I just want to encourage you today. Can I do that? God has set you free from all of that. The prison cell door is busted wide open. The chains on your wrist and those shackles have been broken free. You're standing inside of a jail cell. Get out. Leave. Okay? Walk through the door. Do you hear me yelling at you? Walk through the door. Come on, friend. So it all comes down to this then. Decision time. Are you going to surrender to God or not? Fully with humility. Are you going to give the Lord all that is within you? All to Jesus I surrender. Is that going to be your statement? Are you going to trust him by faith? That he's going to provide for you. And he's going to give you everything that you need according to his 
great and awesome plan. It's hard to live in this new nature over here if you don't trust Jesus. But you have to decide. And to not decide is to decide. Old nature living, new nature living. And the first part of new nature living is thinking correctly, especially about yourself. Seeing yourself the way that God sees you. It's forgiven. So we package it all up. The first component to changing your thoughts. Think on what Jesus did for you. He gave up everything he was capable of giving up for you because he loves you with an everlasting love. The next is to ask the Holy Spirit to change your thoughts. Make this your prayer. Set your mind on the concerns of God. And three, realize that you have a new power to say no. You can say no to temptation and you can say no to the lies that you've been believing. The old nature over here, listen, congregation, this thing does not want to give up. It does not want to release grip of you. It's fighting to hold you. Don't fuel it. Instead, fuel the new nature with the word of God. God has called you to this whole new life. And it is possible. If you humble yourself, submit to him and trust him and trust his word to sustain you each and every day, every step of the way. Next week is going to be part two of this message. I know even though it's a holiday weekend, I want to encourage you, don't go to the river. Don't go to the football game. Come make sure you're here next week because God wants to say something to you through part two of this message. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray with me this morning, would you? Father, as we come before you and we just evaluate what's going on in our own mind and our own hearts, we recognize what your word says today, God. We recognize, Lord, that this war is going on inside of us. And it's a huge struggle. So, Father, we just look to you this morning for peace. God, we look for you to help us have a way out. And so, Lord, we know that the way out begins with trusting in you, with submitting our will to you, Lord. And so that is where we're at right now. For those of us who are struggling with our thoughts, who live in this place, God, today's the day where we take a step of faith to trust you. Today's the day where we put action to our theology. It's no longer just something we believe, God, about your word, but it's something we actually do. So God, I pray today for every person in this room that's struggling right now. God, I pray that you would give them boldness to take a step, to surrender their, their will, the will of the old nature, Lord, to what you say, even if it's difficult. Lord, I pray for every person in this room right now. And God, I pray for every person in this room right now who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. They're still on the side of the unbeliever. The old nature is running the show. Lord, I pray for them right now. Would your Holy Spirit just simply tug their heart and call them to your son? God, would you just let them know that you love them and you have a better plan for them, Lord? Convict them of their sin, God, right now. Draw them to your presence. And congregation, if that's you right now, if you feel the Holy Spirit of God tugging on your heart, if that's you and you don't know Christ, it's real simple. Just surrender to him. 
Surrender your will to him. The Lord Jesus came. He died. He rose again for you. And scripture says that if you repent of your sin, you will be saved. Repent of your sin. Do it today. Be saved. Cast your cares upon the Lord. So as we're here this morning, Lord God, we trust you. Be with us as we worship now. And we pray these things in your holy and most precious name. Amen. Worship team, you guys lead us.